What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast brought to you through the Better Sports Network. Uh, I am Dan Malin, and I am joined, as always, by the FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. Matt, how you doing? We are heading back to Sin City uh, for, I guess, the last cookie-cutter intermediate of the year. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts on the, on the round of eight, and how are you feeling about this weekend? So, uh, I'm doing well. We were talking before we started recording that you know, as bad as this is to say, we're kind of both like <laughs> ready for the season. Yeah, we're just, it, it's not that we're going through the motions and it always comes back to us because it's always after, I think like a week or two after Phoenix, we're just like, man, I wish there was like a race on or something. Right, exactly. Uh, like come Thanksgiving, we're going to really wish we had some racing to watch yeah. other than meaningless F1 at this point because congrats to Max for stepping on not even having to win a race to win the championship. Um but I'm good. Um, it was a little interesting to watch practice with the lights on in the middle of the day because there's a partial solar eclipse that happened that I had. Did it really get that dark at the track? Because I, because I heard, I saw that tweet and everything, and then I saw like you know all the, I guess I saw some like wider like shots of like what the track looked like, and I, I don't know. It's it's always so hard to judge. Uh, you know, like when you're kind of like watching a golf tournament and it's later in the day and it looks so perfectly fine on TV because they have the aperture on the camera wide open, but then right. you know you look at a more accurate representation of how dark it is, and you're like, damn, it actually, you know, they do need lights. Yeah, I mean, when they first started and they showed the lights on, yeah, it was it was like the whole thing was in shade, which obviously mm-hmm. doesn't happen because it's in the middle of the desert outside of Las Vegas. Um, so yeah, that was interesting. I have no shot of seeing it because it's cloudy and raining and forty-two degrees here today. So it's pretty gross. Um, but I guess let's start with this. Do you think that the way that it, things are currently set up is okay? Because Truex hasn't had a top ten finish like at all in the playoffs. Has he just been taking like advantage of the stage points in the first two stages and then just not really caring? Well, there's that, but he also got 25 playoff points from winning the regular season title that carry through, which is why he's always started back in like the first or second spot in each round. Mm. But I don't know. It just feels like our fans are never happy with anything that they're given, nor the setup that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, because first it was oh Jimmy Johnson's winning so handily that the last four races of the season don't matter so you know we need to change this so people can't run away with it and then NASCAR changes it and they don't like it and it generates you know Jimmy Johnson winning some more and then they change it and you know they keep tweaking with it and then it gets to the point where Kevin Harvick doesn't make the championship four a few years ago, despite winning ten races. Um, Is that the year when it was pretty much just him and Hamlin winning almost every other week? Right. It was like he they won like half the races wins. or something. Yeah, he had ten wins and Hamlin had nine or something like that. Where um, it was nine and eight or nine, something like that. Um, I was more bothered by Harvick not making the championship for that year than Truex making the final eight this year. Yeah. So I guess in response to that, they said, okay, well, the regular season champ will get a huge haul of playoff points so that it matters. And now people are like, oh, well, Truex has sucked in the playoffs and he's still making it. And it's like, well, what do you want? Like, <laughs> like you keep you keep pointing out one-off situations and trying to make people adjust to it. And then the one-off doesn't happen again, and now you get the result you created with the one-off complaints. Like, 
Could be one of those butterfly effect scenarios too, because like, what if Truex didn't win the regular season championship and then get those 25 points? Perhaps we're looking at a driver with a different strategy who's probably maybe logging more top fives or top tens. But if he's just if he's just beating the system because he was the regular season champion, I don't really have a problem with it. Right. It's like um, <clears throat> when your boy there, Daniel Hemrick, made the championship for an Xfinity without having won a race because he was just consistent. And then he edged out on the final lap. In the, the final lap, lap for his lone career win. And in the final quarter, race. no less, yeah. he edges out <laughs> the guy that everybody assumes was going to win it. Um, the, Things happen, man. It's racing. It's the same thing with the MOB playoffs. And, oh, all the 100 win teams aren't in there. Okay. Aside from the Braves, none of those teams had good pitching staffs for the postseason. So, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. Props to Drex for winning. Props to Drex for winning the regular season title. Had he not won it, I think Byron probably would have because he was really close. Those two were neck and neck basically the whole way. Um, and I guess you could point out the fact that Byron has five wins and didn't win the regular season title, and that's part of the issue. But What does Truex have, three? What? Does Truex have three? Something like that, but I think Truex was more consistent when he wasn't yeah, winning. and that's fine. And that's what <clears throat> you want to reward. Um, I don't He's know. still consistent in the playoffs. He's just consistently finishing outside the top 15. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. And by the way, uh, if other playoff people don't have troubles, he's not there anymore. <laughs> like, that's yeah. part of it, too, is that everybody in the playoffs has had some serious, serious issues. Like, go back to Bristol and, you know, people wrecked out and ended their days. He didn't. So, um, anyway, he's looking good, though, for, for Vegas as we turn our attention here to Sin City and the Sphere. And uh, all the fun the NASCAR teams had with that on Twitter this week. I don't know if you I saw, saw the watermelon. Know. That was the only one I saw, but that was pretty cool. Busher, I can't tell <laughs> if RFK was real that they advertised on the sphere with Busher highlights, or that was really good Photoshop. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but I did see a tweet from RFK, like RFK accounting. Why did you guys lose four hundred and fifty k in Vegas this weekend? And then it was like, <laughs> it was like RFK, and there was a video of the sphere with. Busher highlights all over it, so I don't know if that was real or not. But <laughs> cleverly done either way. Um, so yeah, that you call it a cookie cutter track. I'm not a hundred percent sure that Vegas is a cookie cutter track. Well, I call it a cookie cutter just because of the shape, uh, mile and a half. I know it's different than Charlotte and Texas. Um, <clears throat> a little more satisfied with just comparing it closer to Kansas, but at the same time. I also think that we can also compare it to Darlington a little bit. I'm one of the people that I know for years we've talked about how Vegas is kind of a more medium tire wear track, uh, but it has been, it is a track that's, I think it was last repaved in what, 2006 when they reconfigured it. Uh, so the, the surface in my opinion is relatively old. So I'm willing to call it more medium to high tire wear, which is why with each Vegas race that we get, I tend to like it a little bit more because I feel like the track surface is just, getting older it's older than the last time it wasn't when they raced and so i just feel like tire wear just becomes more and more into play and within a couple of years we're just going to be looking at vegas as being potentially what atlanta was for so long 
Yeah, I think I think you're right on with that. Um, it's you know, it's considered a track position track, right? We've heard for a while that Vegas is you know, track position is king here, and to a degree, if you want to win, it is okay. Mm-hmm. Seven, I think six out of the last seven winners have started inside the top ten. Um, I think seven of the last nine winners have done that. Overall, nineteen of the thirty-one race winners started inside the top ten here. That being said, you can pass. You can move up. If you look at how the scoring has worked over the last five races, there were some tweets about that earlier this week. A bunch of those race winning, like DFS winning lineups, had guys starting outside the top 15 because you can pass here. It's just once you're into the top 10, it's hard to move up because speed, you know, you're talking about it takes some serious speed to win pole here as we just saw in practice and qualifying but i do like the tire wear aspect um that's going to bring some interesting plays into play this week there's some guys in the playbook that you know not used to necessarily seeing in a mile and a half um that's due to the tire wear. there's bumps in turns one and two um as kyle larson said it gives the track character um <laughs> and those have but, cut tires more recently right like when they introduced the next gen car I remember those bumps coming into play more than they did with uh, the last car that they had. Yeah, that's because ride height and air <clears throat> pressures and, and yeah. whatnot. We did see some tire issues at practice, for sure. Um, Kyle Larson felt something, pulled it off to pit road, saved it. Uh, Chase Elliott felt something about the same time. His car wound up in the wall. Uh, Daniel Suarez felt something. He wound up on the inside wall. So I heard. His, I didn't see his contact, but I heard his was pretty hard. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty tough. Like he front half of that car was pretty well destroyed. So they're definitely going to a backup. Oh, he didn't run it in qualifying <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, same with Chase. They brought his out. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a backup car for him as well. Um, so will we see tire issues in in the race? Yeah, probably. I, I think we're I think we're gonna see that. Um, I think for Hendrick, it was more of the way they set up the car than anything. Um, But we'll see. Um, In terms of racing here, I think this is much more of a Kansas situation than a Texas situation. That's fair. I think think there are two and a half grooves at Vegas. There's one at Texas, um, which is why that track sucks really, really, really bad. (laughs) Um, In terms of steepness, I don't know. It's it's pretty much middle of the road for a mile and a half track at Vegas. The banking's twenty degrees. The front and back, you know, front stretch is pretty banked at about twelve degrees. Um, so if you if you put together clean laps here, you can build speed and you can start to you know build a lead or pull away from people. Um, but if you don't avoid those bumps, it might be a rough day for you. All right. Uh, just in terms of lineup construction. Uh, so many laps are on the table, you know, as is the case with most mile and a half uh, races. Uh, easy to say, it's just a two, maybe even a three dominator build uh, for this race. Um, how many guys would you want starting in the top ten? Um, so I think it's a two. We've got a lot of PD options. This we week. do. We do. I think cash games are going to be a little <clears throat> chalky this week to be to be honest, because there's two huge PD plays. Mm-hmm. that aren't going to eat your budget as badly as, um, you know, some GPP dominators will. Um, I'm going with two dominators 
for this race, generally speaking, we usually see two guys leading about 100 to 120 laps a race here. Um, there's 267 in the race distance. So if you're getting two dudes that are about the 100 lap lead mark, that doesn't leave a whole lot for everybody else. Um, usually it's guys starting in the top five that can lead a bunch of laps. Whether they finish there, still to be determined, especially with our pole sitter, who's now on his sixth pole of the year in Christopher Bell, and the last few times he's been on pole, it hasn't gone very well for him. Did well at Bristol, but not at yeah, Kansas. Yeah, it's a short track. Like passing is tough yeah. there. So, <clears throat> right. But on intermediates, where he's on the pole, <laughs> it's not been a good story for him this year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll see. There are some... The top three is loaded between Bell and Byron and Larson. Um, it's going to be pretty tough to crack that top three, to be honest, in race trim, given track histories and speed and, and whatnot. So I'm trying to get two of those three into a lineup. Of Byron, Larson, Bell? In, in GPPs, I'm trying to get two of those three in there. Okay. Uh, it's going to be tough, though, because if you go with Larson and Byron – you're pretty well handicapped um, between because if I do that, if I start to build, you're down to 7,100 average remaining per guy. So you're going to have to get a little creative there. Um, but for cash builds, you're starting with Chase Elliott and Daniel Suarez. Just eating the position differential there? I mean, Chase you is starting well. 35th. <laughs> and being scored from 35th and Suarez is starting 36th and being scored from 36th. So yeah. And if you do that, by the way, you actually up your average remaining per driver. You put those two in, you go from 8333 on DK to 8375. So you actually <laughs> go up in the average per driver spot. Why don't you just throw Harvick in there too? It goes up to 8500. Yeah, uh, I am a big Kevin Harvick guy this week. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. There's if we put into if we if we account for the similar tracks, which for this we're going with the nine intermediate non-drafting tracks that they've run this year. So I'm not putting Pocono in there because it's huge. But basically, all of the other ones. So we've got Auto Club in there. We got Darlington, Kansas, Michigan's in there. Um, you know, previous Vegas race, you know, some other ones. Kevin Harvick has the best average finish of any driver in those nine races at 9.1. Uh, he's finished top 10 six times. He's finished no worse. He's finished worse than P11 only once in those nine races. So even though he's not winning, even though he's not in the playoffs, not getting a lot of attention because he's not in the playoffs. He's turning P24, and the the dude just knows how to move up. If he wasn't retiring this year, he would just be completely probably off everyone's radar. It hasn't really been a good year for him by any means. Correct. Um, But, you know, he's getting the farewell tour, so, I mean. Right, and and Phoenix is naming things after him already, like, four weeks before the race is there. (laughs) And... um. So yeah, I just so made the ultimate the duplicate lineup with. What? I just made the ultimate duplicate lineup of Harvick, Suarez, 
Elliott, Byron Bell, and Ty Dillon. That will be entered probably by various people in large field GPPs. See, I think in in cash games, I think you can only, I think you can go with just one of the three of Larson, Byron, Bell. That's fine. I've actually seen some people touting, you know, like for cash games in NASCAR, uh, you can play two of the two guys on the front row in a lot of races if there's enough laps led to be had. Yeah. Um, and it's fine because, like, at least you're guaranteeing yourself, like, someone leading early laps. And as long as they finish, as long as both drivers still finish well, you'll be okay in cash games. Um, but, yeah, kind of a fun build. Obviously, plenty of places to pivot. Um, but if if we were to extra, uh, expand the uh, the Dominator pool a little bit to maybe Martin Truex Jr., who's starting P4, and Tyler Reddick, who's starting P8, and Reddick did win uh, Kansas a few weeks ago, did need a late caution to get there. And let's toss Denny in there starting at P15. I think <clears throat> I think there's a lot of people who look who overlook practice and qualifying with Denny, but as he said on his podcast this week, they almost never practice or qualify well in this car, but they race well because they're yeah. trying to get a feel for what they brought and then where to go from there. And at this point, you have to trust Chris Gabehart and, and the adjustments he's made because it's been phenomenal with with Denny. Well, I also think it's just worth mentioning that the Toyotas in general have just been outstanding in this package on these this style of track. Uh, you know, anytime, like, anytime we've had a Kansas race, with the next gen car, we've really kind of hyped up the Toyotas. Um, and so they've kind of been a little bit better than the Chevys on these tracks and in this package. And so, you know, we've already talked about bell. Uh, we talked about the, the highs and the lows of him starting on the pole uh, in, you know, the first few playoff races, but, you know, I really can't say that I'm fading. I'm a hard fade on either Hamlin, Reddick or Truax. And sure. They're all over 10 K like they're there for a reason. But I love the Toyotas this week if we're just talking pure speed. And even even Ty Gibbs uh, at 7,900, who starts P11, but, you know, he doesn't wreck out of the last or two of the last three races. You know, he's he's been a top five contender. He finished fifth at Bristol. He finished fourth last week at the Roll Bowl. I mean, kid's kind of grown up pretty quickly. Um, and I'm sure he'll have speed as well, like, He's probably going to be under-owned just because Harvick is $100 more and starts much further back. But, yeah, I'm all over the Toyotas this week. Yeah, I would be, too. Another guy you could kind of toss in, I don't know about Dominators, but Bubba. Uh, Chastain. Oh. oh. Talk to me. Like, I feel like this is a sneaky spot for him because people have just been discounting him for a while. Understandably, right? Not, not been the most consistent team. But when you look at the nine – tracks we mentioned earlier he's posted a 10.9 average finish which by my calculation is fourth best in the field in that in that group the only ones that are better are like that's better than denny's average finish that's better than bubba's average finish in this group that's better than chris Bocher's average finish better than chase's average finish so like if we like a bunch of those dudes and i understand we like chase because he's starting 35th but like the only one who's the only ones who've outpaced him is Harvick, Byron, and Kislowski. So, you know, yes, he's a little pricey. He's also finished second. He finished second in Texas. Pretty, pretty solid run there. 
Uh, he's finished top seven in three of the last four intermediate races. Won Nashville earlier in the year. Yeah, so, you know, it, it may not be, like, one of those things where you really consider him, but that works for us because now we're getting leverage, right? Obviously not in the playoffs, <clears throat> but, again, it's not like these races are only winnable by playoff guys. Yeah. Right? We also don't necessarily need him to win uh, to be of value. He's starting 10th at 8,300. So if he, he finishes nabs fifth, top five, smashing his value. Yeah. yeah. If he nabs a top five, you're smashing value. And his practice speed was pretty solid, <clears throat> to be honest. Um, it's not necessarily a shock that he's starting in the. Um, aside from Daniel Suarez, who we've talked about 7,300, uh, starting P36, who are some drivers in this 7k range or lower? If you're looking for value, who are some guys that stand out to you? And you don't have to name all of your favorite plays, uh, because that's, you know, that's what your playbook is for, but you know, who's like maybe who are one or two guys that you really like in the value tier. Um, well, we'll start with, with Almondinger. He's coming off his win last week at the Roval emotional win right obviously didn't have the best day at texas started sixth finished 24th not ideal but he has run pretty decently at intermediate tracks he did show pretty decent speed at practice for what it's worth um still don't know what he's doing next year he does say he'll be back at college but whether you know what bugs me about him is that a few years ago before he made the jump from xfinity back to cup he said he, he said so many times that he wants to win a championship. He said he didn't care if it was at Xfinity or at the cup level. He just wanted to win a championship. That's why, for the longest time, I have always said that I think he would prefer the Xfinity schedule because it gives him a couple more weeks off during the season as well. Um, I feel like there were times this year when he just seemed burnt out from the Cup Series because obviously the college cars are, aren't as competitive in the Cup Series as they are in the Xfinity Series. And then after his win last week, he says like he would love to continue racing Cup Series. And I'm a little annoyed by that because personally, it just ruins the narrative that I've been pushing for the longest time. Um, I don't know what the guy wants anymore. I swear, I, I thought that he wanted to run Xfinity. They run more road courses. It's, it's an easier path for him to win a championship, it's, especially when you consider if he was to go back to Xfinity. Josh Berry's coming up from Xfinity. Daniel Hemrick is coming up from Xfinity. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek is also coming up. From Isn't Hosovar coming up from trucks? Yes. Yeah. And so it's like, it's going to be like a depleted field of Xfinity series. Drivers. Oh, but like, watch you... out. You got Haley Deegan in Xfinity now. Oh my God. Like Cole Custer is probably the odds on favorite to win the Xfinity series next year. Probably. If, if Dinger wanted to win a championship, he should just go back to Xfinity. And it's pretty much just going to be Custer versus Almondinger for the 2024. Maybe Elmerola. Maybe Almirola goes down to Xfinity because then he. Why would he do that? Easier, he could win. He could like he he won in an RSS racing car at Sonoma. Yes, um, that's just my rant. I'm sorry, that was a waste of two minutes. But no, you're good. Is... Also, I don't know what colleague's driver lineup looks like in the Cup Series. Yeah, it's still unknown. Well, Hemrick's – yeah, we already talked about how Hemrick's coming up. He's driving the 31. He's taking Justin Haley's spot, but right. But who gets the 16? Yeah, I have no idea. Where does Ty Where does Ty Dillon go too? Probably, go. I, if I had to guess, I'd say Ty Dillon goes to the two of RCR in Xfinity. Yeah, because Sheldon Creed's not there. Yeah, I would love to see Creed go to JGR. That would 
be does fine. Creed does Creed come up and take like Almar Roldas spot at SHR? I don't. Creed hasn't won a race in the Xfinity series. I'd be surprised if they. Okay, that the hasn't series. stopped people from coming up before. I'm aware. I'm aware. Hasn't always gone well, but it hasn't. <clears throat> Austin before. Hill should get a call to the Xfinity series before Sheldon Creed or the Cup series before Sheldon Creed. Does. I mean, fair. Yeah. Fair. Anyway, uh, before I cut you off, you were talking about Almendinger for tomorrow's race. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's sneaky. He showed some pretty good. Uh, speed at practice he qualified 22nd there's he's gonna have to do some work to hit value uh he's gonna have to like nab a top i think 16 certainly top 15 to be safe mm-hmm. um so that's that's an intriguing one his teammate justin haley starting p20 is also intriguing because that guy's been way better at intermediates than anybody gives him credit for um would i have liked to have seen him qualify a few spots further back yeah that would have yeah. been nice but terms of leverage, I think it actually works in our favor that he's starting 20th because I think people are going to look past him because um, he's starting 20th, but you've got LaJoy, Harrison Burton, and Todd Gilliland, the holy trinity of cheap drivers, starting at least eight spots further back. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but I'm not really interested in either <laughs> in any of those guys this week. Really? Like, you're not – I understand, like, we get to a certain point every year, and I feel this way, too, when I do the Xfinity playbooks. I'm like, I feel like I just write up the same guys every week. But then I'm like, well, it's the same 30 people that are racing, essentially. Well, right. like there's, And so, like, you you almost get tired of writing a guy like Corey LaJoy up, but at the same time, it's it's one of those things where you just have to be like, it's common sense. He's Corey LaJoy. Like, he, he does get the most out of the car. He's not going to win the race, but you know what? He starts outside the top 25 every week, and somehow there's, like, top 20, maybe even top 15 equity there. So just play him if you need to save some salary. I mean, I'm not going to tell you you can't play those guys. You can put in yeah. anybody you choose to, whether they're in the playbook or not. <clears throat> it's just in the playbook, I feel like I have an obligation to put the guys who I feel have the best chance of hitting value there you go. in there. And I don't know where the value is coming from for like Harrison Burton, who's been down for like eight weeks now. Like he's not been good. Corey LaJoy, the intermediate tracks have not really been his friend per se with speed. And Todd Gilliland, like he's 5,400, right? He's starting, where is he starting? 29th. Okay. He started 36th in Texas and finished 35th. He was a free square, except he really wasn't because he didn't do anything, yeah. right? If you're looking at other ones, like Kansas, started 32nd, finished 25th with two fastest laps. That's 25 points. At 5200 bucks, he still didn't hit 5x value. <laughs> he was still short. Um, you know, it. it's just one of those things where I think the younger guys are kind of running out of steam as we get to this point in the season. I know it's not a rookie year for any of these guys, but the performances haven't been there to convince me that even though they're starting that far back, like again, at Kansas for Gilliland, he started 32nd, finished 24th. That's 26 points at 5,400 bucks. Still didn't hit five X value. So it's one of those things where you got to think about, is this guy a top 25 car? I don't know. Mm. Because 
You have you right, maybe move the goalposts a little bit for the the guys in this range, and instead of maybe hoping for five x value, you're hoping that well, maybe if they just get me like twenty points and I'm nailing the dominators, I can make an exception. I mean that's that's true, but I feel like that puts a little bit more pressure on you hitting the top end drivers. Yeah, like if you don't hit the value guys, <clears throat> you nail the top end, you're good. But if you're trying to go for dudes who you see can get 5X across the board and one of them falls a little short, but the other ones pick it up, then mm-hmm. you're fine. But, like, if you miss on the other ones and then the value guys suck too, then there's no hope. But you also have to figure that there's a few guys starting behind these dudes that we fully expect to move up. And so yeah. now you're not just picking off the dudes in front of you. You're also picking off the dudes starting behind you, which adds, like, two, three, four spots to the points that they have to pick up, right? Because Chase Elliott's starting behind them. Daniel Suarez, Daniel Suarez. is back there. I mean, Stenhouse is P30. Stenhouse is P30. Priest could move up from P32. <clears throat> um, you know, so if you expect all of those dudes to finish ahead of LaJoy and Burton and Gilliland, that's four more spots they got to pick up before they actually start getting you the value you were expecting from them when you played them. All right. Uh, any final thoughts or a winner for this race that you have a pick? Um, it's kind of hard not to go with Byron. I was thinking Byron because didn't he win this race in the spring? He won it in the spring. He's got He's been three, great on these tracks. Three race wins in the nine similar races. Yeah. Um, he was barely off pole. Um. I'll take Truex. Screw it. <laughs> Go that would be game. a yeah. <laughs> he shows up and wins when we least expect it. Yeah. Uh, but Matt, as always, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you for Las Vegas, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, folks. <laughs>